Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Locked On Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It is Friday, July 31st, 2020. We have made it to the end of the work week, and we have made it through the first Vegas Golden Knights game in what seems like an eternity. A 4-1 victory for the Golden Knights in their exhibition game last night against the Arizona Coyotes, and we have a lot to talk about. And I think my dog wants to talk about it too, as he just blazed right by. Whether whether or not he actually stays, I don't know. But if my dog comes on the podcast, it wouldn't be the first time. So be on the lookout for that if that comes to pass. But welcome back, everybody. My name is Danny Webster. I am your host, and I do appreciate you stopping by for today's episode, in which we will be breaking down this. Uh, it it looked like hockey. It sounded like hockey. It might have been hockey. I'm not entirely sure if the end result looked like hockey, but the end result from last night was that the Golden Knights did win four to one over the Arizona Coyotes last night in their lone tune-up before the round robin portion of the Stanley Cup playoffs gets underway on Monday for the Golden Knights when they take on the Dallas Stars. But we do have some things to discuss as far as this game goes, and I think we'll we'll just get right to it. I think when you look at a game and you look at a team that hasn't played hockey in five months, and really you can look at this from any perspective of the 24 teams that are playing in an exhibition game leading into the Stanley Cup qualifiers, which start tomorrow. The one way you want to look at it is that nothing is going to be perfect. Nothing should be overanalyzed. Nothing should be... Uh, taken seriously when it comes to the analysis unless we know the current makeup of the team of which we do. In the case of the Golden Knights, we know how good this team is. We know how much of a contender they are. We know how dangerous they can be when they get into the playoffs. We know how deep they are. And when they're fully intact and not without their, and uh, they have their leading scorer, I should say, uh, available to them when they're playing, we know how dangerous Vegas is. And I think what we wanted to see yesterday was just how would they kind of rise to the occasion after being away for five months? How would they look after two weeks of scrimmaging, two weeks of practice? Would would they uh, would the result be good enough to say, okay, well, can they do this again against Dallas, Colorado, and St. Louis? And for the and for the most part, I think the answers really are incomplete. As far as that's concerned, let, let's start with the positives. Uh, a lot of special teams work, which, I mean, Pete DeBoer said himself he didn't really want a lot of special teams work, but Vegas went one for six on the power play. Uh, Riley Smith scored that goal. Speaking of special teams, uh, the penalty kill was fantastic. And again, Riley Smith scoring a goal on a 2 on one with William Carlson in the first period to get the Golden Knights on the board. So Riley Smith... Two goals in the first period, both of them on special teams. I'm not going to say the power play was extremely perfect. We did see some new wrinkles that I don't think we haven't seen with the power play before. Because you think think back to when Gerard Gallant was coaching. There was a lot of cycling around, reload from the back end, and then move the way through the neutral zone and set up shop that way. Whereas we're seeing a lot more aggressive uh power play i think there were a couple instances last night including smith's goal where that you had four three or four players crashing through the neutral zone together all skating together just trying to attack the net and it worked for smith's goal where they had four guys lined up all lined up all across the ice 
and then Smith fires one. I, I want to say it was Alec Martinez who was at the screen. It was either Martinez or Cousins, and he sets the screen. Darcy Kemper doesn't see it. Golden Knights go up 2 nothing. That's the kind of good stuff you want to see. Um, as far as the power play overall, you know, one for six is okay as far as not playing for five months, but you want to see a little bit more control. You want to see a little bit more cycling of the puck. You want to see a little bit more better shot opportunities. I mean, they shot, they outshot Arizona 11 to four in the power play. So it's not like they didn't get their chances, but it seemed like for the most part, outside of a couple of stretches, power play is still going to be a uh, process and they're going to need 67 back as soon as possible in order to ensure that power play is going to be humming at a very efficient pace. Uh, the other thing that I liked, the third line. And it's been a long time since we've given the third line a pat on the back this late into the season. But Alex Tuck had a goal, an amazing goal, by the way, where he just takes a shot from a sharp angle right near the goal line and he beats Ronta's short side. That was absolutely incredible. And then you also look at Nick Cousins, who had an empty net goal. To go along with two assists, he had a very, very nice game. And then Nick Waugh had two assists as well. I think that third line, it might not be the third line that we see going into the rest of the playoffs. But when you look at it from the standpoint of needing the third line to perform, Nick Cousins did well. Alex Tuck was great. And Nick Waugh did Nick Waugh things. So I think we can all be very satisfied about that. Uh, the fourth line I also thought was very good. William Carrier, Tomas Nosek, Ryan Reeves. I thought they all played a very solid game. Uh, possession numbers, you're not gonna out. You're not gonna beat out Arizona's top line, especially when the fourth line gets the starting assignment against most uh, most opposing teams' top line. But I thought they held their own against Hall, Dvorak, and Garland. I thought that they were very physical. They were able to knock Arizona off the puck in multiple instances. And they were able to set up shop in their own end multiple times. And they were even able to set up the offense for their own team. And Riley Smith touched on that last night. Kind of when I asked them about conditioning and going against a team like Arizona, who has the speed, who has the... uh, the quickness that will put Vegas's conditioning to the test right away. And I thought they handled that great. I thought the fourth line was getting tasked with slowing down the whole line. I thought they did fantastic. And, you know, I think that's a good sign knowing that you can go into these games knowing that you're going to have a bottom six that can contribute in multiple ways. Now, the one thing we do need to worry about is will Ryan Reeves be available going forward into the round robin? Now, it wasn't called. The holding call prior on Zach Whitecloud was called before Ryan Reeves is, uh, I don't want to call it an elbow because it, I mean, I'd have to look at it again, but he hit Nick Schmaltz up high is basically what I'm trying to say. You, you guys get what I'm trying to say here. Hit him high. Schmaltz left the game, did not return. And based on the result of that, it wouldn't shock me. If Ryan Reeves got a call from Department of Player Safety in the coming days and his status for the round-robin games, especially on Monday, uh, is very much up in the air. But the NHL, I'm pretty sure, is going to look at it, and I'm pretty sure the NHL is going to have a ruling on it within the next 24 to 48 hours. If, if by the time this, who knows, it might they might have a ruling by the time this podcast uh, goes up. So 
And it's not like Reeves is a dirty player. We all know he's not. He's a very physical player, and he loves to talk a lot of smack, but it, it, I, I don't get the impression that he comes off as a dirty player. And I know, I know some people in my mentions last night, notable Sharks fans, who uh, got in there and said he was a dirty player. I mean, I, mean, I, don't, I don't see it that way. Even the, even the Coyotes broadcast last night said Reeves isn't a dirty player. So take that for what you will. That will have to be looked at, but overall, some good things. But we are going to uh, look at some things that could be improved on, some things that are a little bit could be on the negative side about that. We will look at those in just a moment. And a nice subtle reminder, friends, you can follow us on Twitter. You can follow the show at LockedOnVGK. You can follow me on Twitter at DannyWebster21. Or if you want to send an email to LockedOnGoldenKnights at gmail.com, I will not stop you if that is something that you wish to do. So we talked about the positives of last night's 4-1 win for the Golden Knights over the Coyotes. Let's look at some of the negatives that happened last night. The negatives, I think, we, we kind of touched on at the power play. It's, it's still going to be a work in progress. And, I, you know, when you try and put two weeks of training camp and scrimmaging in the hopes that you have a formula when it comes to the power play, eventually you'd like to think that you have the recipe for success. But unfortunately, it's not a full training camp. There aren't enough exhibition games to get you ready for this situation. You're going at it full speed ahead with really one dress rehearsal. It's like it's like if you had to get the cast of Hamilton for one show. And you just called the original cast back out of nowhere. It's like, hey, I need one dress rehearsal from you guys after like three years off. Can you do it? More than likely, they're not going to do it, but they're going to try their best. And the finished product isn't probably going to be the best, but it's going to get you somewhere, if that makes any sense. I think the power play is going to need a lot of work. That could change when Pacioretty comes back, because I think we do need to see more of Carlson, Stone, Pacioretty on the top power play unit. Whenever Pacioretty does decide to come back or come to to, to Edmonton, I, I think that's going to be something that they're going to need to focus on. The other thing I think they're going to need to focus on get the opposition out of your crease. That was that was uh, that was something I mentioned early in the game when I thought Darcy Kemper was really trying to make saves for his life. I thought it, offensively Vegas did a really good job getting into Arizona's crease and making life rough on the goaltenders. First two periods, not so much for Vegas as far as defensively goes. They didn't have to worry about a lot in terms of keeping Arizona out of the crease. The third period, though, when Arizona started to finally put the pressure on, that's where it looked very uh, lopsided. And if not for the fact that Marc-Andre Fleury had to make some amazing saves midway through the third period prior to Tuck's goal to put him back up 3-1, to there was a very good chance we were looking at Arizona tying that game and, God forbid, sending an exhibition game in overtime. Vegas has got to do a lot better getting out, uh, getting players away from their own crease. It was one thing that I noticed in training camp that was a big problem was that whenever they were scrimmaging, the defense was not great in the crease. And I think that if Vegas wants to contend against teams like St. Louis, Colorado, they're going to need to do a lot better play in front of their goalie, no matter who it is, whether it be Flurry or Leonard. I thought the I thought Chandler Stevenson was very quiet, and and I think that's kind of unfortunate because he's the one who's getting the opportunity to be on the top line in absence of Pacioretty. And 
I don't know if this is going to mean going into Monday if Pacioretty does not arrive in Edmonton. I don't know if this necessarily means that Nick Cousins would kind of take back that spot he had in the second week of training camp. But I thought Chandler Stevenson had a great chance to kind of show how valuable he is. And he's going to go back on the third line when Pacioretty comes back. So it's not like this is something that's completely earth-shattering news. But I thought Stevenson had a chance to show that he could be on that top line. And I don't think it clicked. I don't think Stevenson had a great game. He was very quiet. Uh, I thought... By him being quiet, I thought Stone and Carlson were also relatively quiet, which, I mean, again, you don't want to think about it too much because it is an exhibition game. And we have to temper the expectations that five months off of playing hockey is going to result in just the perfect recipe for hockey. And to me, that really wasn't the best night for Chandler Stevenson. I mean, I, I Overall, I think he played okay, but when you're playing quiet on that top line, that top line that's going to carry this team to the hopes of winning the Stanley Cup, you got to play a little bit better than that. And I think the top line took an off night and you still won the game, so at the end of the day, it's not too bad, but you would like to see a little bit more from all three guys on the top line. Five-on-five was probably the most alarming aspect of the game last night. There was a point in the game I mentioned earlier uh, about the power play. They outshot Arizona 11-4 when they had the man advantage, which ideally you want to outshoot them by you know three times of what the the opponent gets, and you almost got to that. But when you look at Five on five. Part of this, I think, goes into accordance with what I mentioned with the top line. The top line's got to put some shots on Kemper, and they didn't really do that. There was an instance where Vegas went eight minutes and some change into the second period and did not have a shot on goal at five on five. And there was an instance where they had more shots on the power play than they did at five on five. I think it was like 32 minutes of gameplay. They had 11 shots on the power play. One shot shorthanded, which was Smith's goal, and then four of them came at even strength. You can't have that against the teams like St. Louis, Colorado, Dallas, whoever. You need to be better at 5-on-5. And again, you don't want to nitpick on this, but if you can play, you're not going to be able to play as sound defensively as a game for 60 minutes against teams that are like Arizona. Arizona is not the most dangerously offensive team even when you've added Hall and Kessel they're not as dangerous as we think they should be but by the same token while Vegas played very well defensively in that game for you know about 55 or 58 minutes of that game you're not going to get that kind of production against St. Louis and Colorado they will beat you to death if you do not operate well at five on five and if Vegas cannot get it going at five on five which again could be the result of Pacioretty not being there could be the result of just again five months off you're not expecting much I mean we're talking about the Blues who lost four to nothing to the Blackhawks the other day and the Avalanche albeit for that explosive first period they had against Minnesota you know they didn't look too sharp either so I'm not going to put that much stock in it but if we do have to be the ones to be like, okay, what did work and what didn't work, 5-on-5 five five was a big problem. Supposedly, Vegas did not practice today, and they're likely going to be 
practicing Saturday and Sunday leading up to Monday. If that's the case, you got a lot of time to work on five on five, but they had a lot of five on five work that they did in the last week of training camp. And I thought they looked fine. So it's a whole different ball game when you're looking at it from a game perspective, as opposed to a scrimmage perspective. But if that's the, if we're talking one area that needs to be fixed on greatly, it's absolutely five on five. They were not great last night. Eventually they got to, uh, they got the shot chart on at five on five to 17 to 14, which I think worked well in their favor. But for 45, 50 minutes, it was not the case. And fortunately, one of those goals at 5-on-5 came on Alex Tuck's wicked shot from the sharp angle, which, again, was the goal of the night, the highlight of the night. It was absolutely brilliant, that goal, by the way. Um, But yeah, I mean, overall, none of us should have expected a perfect game. None of us should have expected anything remotely to what we last saw four or five months ago when the Golden Knights were making their charge atop the Pacific Division. I don't think anybody should be um, looking at it from that lens. But I do think that there was some good. There was obviously some things that they need to clean up. But you do see the potential there of a team that can make a deep run into the Stanley Cup playoffs and eventually, hopefully, to the Stanley Cup final. There, there were there were some good things, it, and I think more importantly, though, it was good to see hockey last night and just watch it, just watch Golden Knights hockey, just to enjoy it and sit back and watch them play again, and I'm pretty sure it was more exciting for them to play as was for us to watch it, but to get back into the groove of watching a game last night and to really enjoy the product on the television... To me, that was fantastic. So it's good to see hockey back. It's good to, you know, be excited for and have something to look forward to. And I'm excited for next week. I'm excited for the round robin games. I'm excited for Monday and see how Vegas stacks up in a game that matters. And it should be a lot of fun. Speaking of the round robin, I kind of teased this in yesterday's episode. Uh, we, I did a crossover episode with the host of locked on stars and the host of locked on avalanche. Uh, we did, it was, it's pretty much going to be divided into multiple parts, but along with the pregame and the postgame pods that will come with the Dallas game, uh, next week, uh, be on the lookout for the first part of our crossover episode. As far as our discussion of the round robin play is concerned, that will be coming up next week. I'm trying to figure out the days of exactly when that's going to happen. More than likely, I think Monday will be the first part because we'll do a pregame section in part one against the Stars, and then we'll go into the discussion there. And then Tuesday and Wednesday, we'll wrap up that pod as well. Tuesday also will be a postgame pod, but we'll also uh, use that uh, crossover episode probably on those days as well. So be on the lookout for that. A lot of fun talking with Chris, Josh, and Kenneth. I think you guys will thoroughly enjoy that. I, I believe so. One thing I wanted to touch on before we get out of here, it was the, well, first of all, we're going to do a look around the league. We're only two other games, but the one thing I wanted to touch on was, I kind of mentioned it on yesterday's show. The, the hope from the NHL that the game ops crew would make it seem like it was an actual game-like situation as far as crowd noise, as far as presentation goes. Apparently, I and I thought I was the only one in this because I thought that the local broadcast would have problems since they're working remotely. 
But to me, the crowd noise was not there. And even Mark Andre Fleury and Riley Smith attested to this yesterday. There was no crowd noise at all. If they heard it, it wasn't there. Um, that kind of concerns me because I think when you put so much time and effort into hyping up the fact that there's actually going to be crowd noise and there isn't, and it sounds kind of muffled and it's not really there, that concerns me for the overall product going forward. Now, again, much like the players and the teams had an exhibition, I'm pretty sure the game ops crew had an exhibition as well because There were so many times that the road team got a goal horn and a goal song, and I still don't think that makes any sense. And hopefully by the time the qualifiers start tomorrow, that will not be the case because I don't want to be watching the Hurricanes and the Rangers and game one ends up being a completely different flip of the script because the Rangers scored and everybody cheers because Panarin tied the game when the Hurricanes should be the home team. That, to me, is a little bit of a problem. Again, I'm not going to think too much of it because exhibition, probably ironing out the kinks, making sure everything looks good and works good. But it was a little bit concerning to know that that element really wasn't there last night. And if the players don't hear that, it's going to be very difficult to get them excited going forward if the one element that gets them going during a playoff game especially a Stanley Cup playoff game, is not there, and that's the fans. So hopefully the NHL can clear that up. Hopefully that is uh, that is improved going forward, and hopefully that will be all resolved heading into the qualifiers on Saturday, which, by the way, I think we got, like, what, five games tomorrow, all game ones, or at least four game ones, and I think a round robin or two. That, that I'm excited for tomorrow. Hockey, full circle, hockey that matters. It's going to be awesome. I think the exhibition games were a great tune-up, and I'm excited to see what these games are going to look like when they actually matter. So a whole lot of fun coming this weekend, especially Monday in the round-robin game against the Stars in terms of the Golden Knights. Two games happened last night before the Golden Knights and the Coyotes wrapped up the exhibition. There are no games tonight, unfortunately, but there were two last night. Uh, the Predators beat the Stars 2 to nothing. Uh The Predators are one of those teams that I think, it, if we're talking about any of the eight teams playing in the qualifying round, the Predators are probably one of the scariest, just because the, if their offense can get it together during this time with John Hines as the coach, which is really the one thing that has held the Predators back the last couple of years is their lack of offense. If they can get it going, they are going to be scary because we already know what they are capable of defensively, especially with Roman Yossi quarterbacking that blue line. Uh, Stars, their offense is struggling right now at a really inopportune time. I mean, this was a this was a theme before the pause. The Stars' offense was not that great. Ben and Sagan were very quiet. The middle six, which usually which carried them greatly last year, uh, very quiet again. So the Stars are going to need to put some offense together. And not ideal that likely the next goalie you see, if you're the Stars, is Robin Leonard. And hopefully they can get some pucks past 90. Uh, if they can't, Gold Knights are going to get a good win on Monday. I'm pretty sure it. The other game happened last night was the Columbus Blue Jackets beating the Boston Bruins 4-1. to 
Now, I, without falling into the trap of it being an exhibition, which I know throughout my analysis earlier, that is likely the case that I keep falling into the trap. Columbus, I have been on this bandwagon since January, man. Columbus is scary. They got the goaltending. They've got the young star power. They've got really good forward depth. They've got probably one of the pe- probably one of the best defense pairings in the league. And they, I mean, to speak on that, they get Seth Jones back. They they're pretty much one hundred percent healthy, and the fact that they were playing so well with everybody hurt to get everybody back, there's a there's a reason why I think they'll beat Toronto in the qualifying series. I just think that Columbus, it's not going to stick out as far as overall star power when you look at the rest of the Eastern Conference, but if you look at a collective team with good goaltending and good coaching, that's the team you want to look for, and that's the team you want to put some money on if you're going to the books. So Columbus looked really good against Boston. Boston's going to be very interesting to watch just because they're trying to get Pasternak back up to speed. And I mean, don't get me wrong. They have enough star power and they have enough depth to kind of counteract that. But David Pasternak was your MVP candidate for most of the year. And I think he should have been a finalist for the heart when he is out basically for the entirety of training camp 2.0 and you're just throwing him into game action in a couple of practices. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see if you even get the same posture knock of your Boston. So that's going to be something I'm going to be looking at when they go into their round robin games um, against Tampa, Philly, and Washington. Three very tough opponents. Uh, and you're throwing your best player out to the Wolves basically with no life raft. As, as I say that, because I think Wolves can probably swim, which, I mean, I had... I, I mean, I don't have an example of it. Like, have you seen a wolf swim? Have you seen a pack of wolves swim? I, I don't I don't think I have. If it if it's happened recently, I would like to see it because I mean, you're talking about wolves swimming in harsh rapids, right? It's not like a you're not throwing a wolf into a pool or even a river. Or if it is a river, it's still a rough current. Can they survive? I don't know. This is why I don't study animals. This is why I barely talk hockey well at a interesting pace while before I go off on a tangent on wolves swimming in rapid currents. But in any event, you get what I'm saying. The Bruins are going to need their MVP player to play like an MVP player if they're going to make a run. And I don't know if three round robin games and an exhibition game is going to cut it. They're going to need him to be at the top of his game. So it'll be very interesting to see how Pasternak and the Bruins handle that whole ordeal. And with that, that is going to do it for this week. We have gotten through probably the longest week anticipating up to hockey that we've gotten to this point. Hockey is officially back and it will continue tomorrow with the qualifying with the Stanley Cup qualifiers and it will continue on Monday for the Golden Knights when they take on the Dallas Stars in the first of three round robin games, hockey games actually count for something. It's exciting. It's exciting to be a part of. And I will be here to guide us all through this smorgasbord of whatever in the world we're going to be watching for hopefully the next two months. So thank you all 
for downloading, sharing, listening, subscribing, all that jazz. Once again, if you would like to follow the show on Twitter, you can do that at LockedOnVGK. Follow me on Twitter at DannyWebster21. If you want to send an email, LockedOnGoldenKnights at gmail.com is the place to be. And if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, if you'd be so kind as to leave a rating and a review, lets me know how I'm doing, lets me know uh, how annoying you might think I might be when it comes to uh, putting words together in sentences and saying a lot of ums and uhs and all that jazz. If you want to put that in there, that's totally fine with me. But again, I'm just a simple dude talking hockey with y'all and having a good time. So hope you all had a good week. Hope you all are having are going to have a good weekend. Enjoy the hockey. Enjoy the festivities. And we'll see you back on Monday. Until then, I am Danny Webster. This has been Locked On Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Have a good weekend, friends. 